So hi, Well the Good Noise Podcast. I'm Shane. I'm Glory. And we're here with Spencer from Under Oath. And we're gonna ask him some questions today about the new album, Voyeurist. So congrats on that, by the way. How do you feel about the response to it so far? Thanks, man. Uh you know, it's it's incredible to see, you know, every time you make a new record, you always feel like it's your strongest material, or mm-hmm. at least you should, you know, going mm-hmm. forward. And uh we definitely felt that way creating that this record and, and writing it and demoing it and making the final product and still feel that way to this day, but you never know like how the, how your core audience is going to react. And mm-hmm. um, it's been amazing to see everyone feeling the same way that we're feeling about it. Like the fans reacting, like it's their favorite record that we've ever done is, is, um, is like icing on the cake. You know, it's, it's not, you know, we're going to make what we want to make regardless of what the critics or, or the fans say mm-hmm. at the end of the day but when you feel super connected to something and then it comes out and everyone feels the same way that you do it's it's definitely rewarding in, in its own way so for sure exciting it's, yeah. it's been on loop for me since friday like honestly kind of made it one of my personality traits over the past <laughs> several days it's yeah. very awesome. good <laughs> awesome thank you i appreciate it yep mm-hmm. so is there any meaning behind the album name or cover art well, it's this is this is a weird question. I'm glad that you asked it because um, it's the first record, and so myself and Aaron, we write all the lyrics and do all the vocal stuff together. And this is the first record we've ever had that the title has nothing to do with the lyrics or the lyrical content on the record. Um, it kind of spawned from when we did the observatory series, which for anyone listening who doesn't know, we, we played some old records as a live stream and we actually did it live. I guess that was unheard of. Most bands do it pre-recorded and stuff like that. But we did these live streams where we actually played these records live. People were watching it in real time and it was called the observatory. It was done in a circle and the cameramen were in there with us. And then we were kind of brainstorming with our team, like what was next. And we had this, you know, kind of catchphrase of voyeurist, uh, letting these people kind of watch us on these cryptic live stream cameras that we had while we were writing the record and people didn't really know what we were doing, but Mm -hmm. if you were paying attention, you could see it. And it was kind of like distorted imagery and no sound, but, um, and that name kind of stuck around as kind of like the next, you know, visual chapter of the band. And, And where we kind of pulled that from is, um, you know voyeurist isn't a real word a voyeurist is a word um and a lot of people think it's a a sexual thing like you watch people you know doing things you're not supposed to do but um it's really not it's just people watching peering in on other people's lives so in 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 the grand scheme of things we are all voyeurists because in the day of of social media and you know iphones and androids and all that what do we do, you know, at least five times a day is you scroll Instagram, mm-hmm. Twitter, TikTok, Facebook, whatever is your social media of, of preference. You're peering into other people's lives. You're seeing, you know, what they look like, what they're, you know, in, in like, we're all comparing ourselves to one another in a way. And like, do they get more likes than me? Do they get more comments? Like, everyone's using their best filters and their best angles and, you know, Photoshopping, cleaning up, you know, everything is through this lens and we're all watching these, especially when, you know, pandemic happened and we're all stuck at home. We're all peering in on other people's lives, but no one ever really 
posts the real thing. You know, everyone's cleaning it up and making sure their family looks happy. And, every, you know, you're not, you're not really seeing the real deal. So it's kind of this blanket statement of just where we are at as people. You know, it's just, we're all these voyeurists that are just peering in onto these little glimpses of everyone's lives that, you know, be it a celebrity or your next door neighbor, but odds are nine times out of 10, no one's posting the bad stuff, you know? So it's all, yeah, it's just messing with everyone. I think it, it makes a lot of people feel insecure and, and constantly comparing themselves to one another. And um, Yeah, so that's kind of the story behind it. Okay. Wow, okay. And the cover art? The cover art, so we have this team, um, they're called Tension Division, and they've been with us since... Um, the rebirth of the band. So when we broke up and got back together and they were responsible for the last artwork and they've, they've done stuff like 21 pilots and um, nine inch nails. And they've done some really, they're really creative people that we've known forever. Um, and when they started this company, we've just kind of been with them ever since. And they help us with music videos and the visuals you'll see behind us when we're playing live and down to the merch designs. Like they they're a part of our team. Like we have a great team between force management, fearless records, Concord, uh, and tension division and they can't they presented us that artwork and to me it's the first artwork in a long time I feel like really felt like the way the album sounded to me when I was looking at it it, it gave me similar feels you know what I mean like yeah it feels like grungy and dirty not not too produced or perfect and just kind of like raw and I love that about it I mean we didn't make any changes to it when they presented us the the artwork to the band we were just in love with it so it's perfect. Since you yeah. said that the um, the album title and like what you guys are talking about on the record don't like uh, connect, could you dive a little bit into like what you guys are talking about on the record? Well, you know, I t I try to tend to leave these things kind of open ended, uh, just because of my personal experience. You know, Under Earth is a band that we've made our entire career by touring. You know, in, in the before the age of streaming and podcasts and Zoom meetings and before all that, you know, it, when we were first coming up and the bands that we grew up watching, you know, pre pre streaming era, uh, a lot of the bands that you would grow up watching, you, you saw them live before. Um, before you uh, you heard them on record, so mm -hmm. I don't really know. Um, it's tough for me because I, I meet a lot of people by doing that like like live is everything for us and i have a lot of people tell me about a song that i've written that saved them from a certain situation mm -hmm. and you know to be able to ex if i was to explain it to a t like would that song still mean the same thing to that person like someone someone came up to me one time for example this this woman came up to me and told me that writing on the walls which is one of our older songs she was thanking me for that song how it saved her life it helped her get out of her abusive uh, relationship with her boyfriend or husband or whatever. And she left that she said, thank you for writing that song about the abusive relationship. And I didn't say any, I said, you know, I was listening to the story and we were sharing and stuff. And like, is that song about a very dark time and, and, a, and a bad situation? Yes. Was it about domestic violence? Absolutely not. Mm -hmm. But if I would have said that in an interview beforehand, would she have gotten that okay. from it? But to make a long story short, this album we write about true stories. You know, there's, there's been divorce in the band. There's been death uh, in family members. There's been drug abuse and, um, you know, uh, 
addiction problems and depression. So the things that we go through within our band, within each other and our personal lives, all of it's real. So these, these songs are all based around that kind of, that feeling, you know, there's, there's, there's uh, a lot of depression, anxiety, and anger on this record. And I feel like it was kind of fueled by this uncertainty of, of where we were at and where we were going, you know, being, being kids when we got into a van and decided to not go to college, decided we were going to follow our dreams when everyone told us we couldn't and it was impossible. And have you ever heard mm-hmm. your band? There's no way that's ever going to be mainstream. You'll never go anywhere. Like you guys are crazy. And we did it anyway. And then at, at a certain point, we were all told that we were not allowed to do this anymore and had to go home. And, you know, it's not like we fucked anything up or broke up the band again or mm-hmm. wrote the wrong record. Like we were all sent home and, and it looked like we may never be able to do this again. And I think that, uncertainty and anger fueled the record to just you know maybe that's why it's more aggressive and darker but we just wrote from the heart and just about our personal experiences with you know um the demons that we battle on a daily basis Uh, yeah makes sense uh so can you tell us a little about your writing process for this record yeah so there's four guys that write in the band and that's uh myself um aaron uh tim and chris um and we decided with this record we wanted to kind of go back to how we used to do things before the internet era of you know sending songs back and forth and mm-hmm. we're all capable at this point to where we could write a full song and bring it in and be like here's a new unreal song and everyone would be like sick yeah let me just get in there and kind of mess with it and we'll you know, Tim replay my guitar parts and Chris add your keys instead of mine and Aaron's drumming instead of the program drumming. And then Aaron, let's fix the vocals together. And there's another song. Mm -hmm. Um, And that, that doesn't seem to be the most, you know, that works a lot for a lot of people, but for us, we, I think we decided after making the last record that the best songs are always the songs uh, that we write the four of us in a room together, at least the music. Um, so the process normally goes that me and Aaron fly in because we don't live in Florida anymore. And the four of us hold up in a room, which is normally a studio space that we have in Tampa, which is where the band is based out of. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. And we start, we start playing as, a, as the four of us and writing and working on, you know, it's like it was back in the day. You used to write your music in a practice space or in your parents, you know, house that they let you jam in or whatever, yeah. like before all this stuff exploded and people go their own ways and, you know, get families and houses and all this stuff. Like we wanted to go back to that, but still using the technology of 2021, which is when we made the record. And that's being able to do that, but capturing it, you know, on pro tools and being able to manipulate and move stuff around and, Oh, let's redo that part. Cause that's not as strong as this. And like, Oh, what if we did this there? And that, you know, like, just like we would back in the day when we were writing our early records in a, in our practice space, we were doing it, the four of us making the music, uh, but just being able to capture it and, and kind of demo it out or, or whatever you want to call it. And then me and Aaron would take the the music back to our Airbnb at night and then we would work on the vocals and then, you know, a day, a week, however long a song takes a month, you know, we have songs demoed out and ready for, is it going to make the record? And then once we had a bunch of demos, we felt really strongly about these songs. We felt that they were in a better spot than the last record was at the demo space, the space. And then when you go pick the songs you want to make and we just really dive in and, and, you know, really, really buckle down, like is every part the best it could be. And like, 
change stuff, try new stuff, you know, just kind of put it on its head and flip it upside down if, if, if we have to, to get it to be the best it could be. Uh, so that's kind of the long, short answer, I guess. <laughs> All right. All right. Makes sense. Uh, so I want you to tell us your favorite lyric off this album and the meaning behind it or your meaning for Ooh. it. That's like, I haven't even thought about that. Man. I don't know. There are a lot of lyrics. <laughs> I know. And now I'm like just going through them in my brain right now. I don't know. That's a tough question. I think that would change per day. Like what kind mm -hmm. of mood I'm in. Um, I really like the song Thorn. That you know, it's kind of like it wasn't a single, but I, I felt like maybe it could have been. Mm -hmm. And I like the chorus, you know, I'm your thorn. You know, uh, it, it's basically like when you get to that point where you think the people around you would be better off without you. You know, that song is, you know, so don't resuscitate, please don't resuscitate. Uh, leave me to where the light in is like saying that, like, you're going down this this dark path and. and don't help me out because I feel like it would be better off. You'd be better off without me. Like I'm like the thorn in your side. Um, and I really like how we, when we got to the finished product of that, the way the chorus hits and the way the melody hits with those lyrics. I, and I've noticed a lot of people connecting with it online that have felt that way. And have already reached out to thank me about, you know, them feeling that way. And, and it makes them not feel alone in those, mm -hmm. in that scenario. And I love, that's like my favorite thing about writing lyrics is, if you can humble yourself to write something that's maybe shameful in a way of, you know, you shouldn't feel that way or whatever it's, or it's what weird to talk about. I, I love that you can connect with people. You know, I've gotten a lot of messages already saying, thank you for writing that song. Like I, I it feels good to not feel alone, you know, to mm -hmm. feel like you, you know, you feel like you're a burden to someone else and, and that's never the case. And I think that song is kind of celebrating getting through those, those moments in life that we've all gone through, you know? I love mm -hmm. that. All right. Uh, so what song on the album took longest to write and which one is your personal favorite? I would say maybe cycle took the longest because we had, we had like, so many different versions of the chorus till we got where we were mm -hmm. and then waiting on ghost made to do his part we had already left the studio and me and aaron had tracked an alternate bridge in case we didn't get a feature um and he actually did it after the fact uh so that song definitely kind of took the longest to be completed mm -hmm. uh my favorite song i think like I said, it's going to change daily. Like I love the record as a full piece of like, you start at track one, it's an album, you know, you listen to it in order. To me, it doesn't make sense out of order, but that's just what kind of person I am, I think. Uh, but I think Pneumonia, which is the last song on the record, it's just, it's such a special song. And I love, I love that song for so many different reasons. But I, you know, one of the things I, I think about it on a daily basis is that song wouldn't have happened probably if we weren't self-producing our record because it's tough to allow the art, if you want to call it art, or maybe I sound like an asshole, but, you know, to let it breathe like that, to let it take its own journey, you know, when you've got a producer involved and producers can be expensive and, 
days are numbered and you have a studio for X amount of time, like songs like pneumonia don't tend to happen. Um, because you kind of have to let those things kind of take their own journey. It's like, this isn't a single, we're not focusing on like, this isn't boosting record sales and all this stuff that the big wigs are concerned about. It's that song's more for us of like a artistic expression of where does the song need to go and how do we get there and kind of following it. And that takes time and that takes days of experimenting where maybe you try a bunch of stuff and it sucks and you're like, man, it was better yesterday. So let's delete all that shit and start over (laughs) until you get it to a point to where it is what it is. And that song definitely took its own form and we just kind of followed it. Um, And it just, it's got a special place in my heart for sure. I actually want to talk about that song for a second. You guys had made it a single and it, it feels like, especially after listening to the record, it was kind of an odd choice for a single. So like, what was the idea behind that? Because we knew we weren't really pushing a bunch of songs to radio, you know, or single, like they were, they're running with Hallelujah right now. And that was always the plan. Mm-hmm. And there was talks of Thorn and there was talks of we're all going to die, but they wanted to go with Hallelujah. So the other songs that we were releasing around the record was more our choice of like hyping our own fans up, you mm-hmm. know, like a song like Hallelujah, like when you're, a band that's been a band for as long as under oath has you have your fan base you know and and occasionally if you're out there supporting a bigger band on tour that you normally wouldn't play with which we did a lot of on the last cycle which was cool because we had to play in front of new people Mm -hmm. and stuff like radio or satellite radio or playlisting on spotify and apple music and amazon and all that that stuff gets you in front of new people so hallelujah is doing that and meanwhile we wanted to showcase the different sides of the record for our core audience you know the people that have been stuck by our side from day one we wanted to show them that this record wasn't just a bunch of singles that that this was an under oath album through and through and a song like pneumonia definitely drove that home okay uh, i think for the for the fans for the core fans makes sense so what was the process like for putting together the track listing for this album? Did you guys write the opening, the opener, closer, be the closer, just kind of shuffle it around? What was that like? We knew the opener and the closer when they were written, you know, but we don't write in order. We, we, we move things around a couple of times until it feels right. Yeah. Um, originally, I think We're All Gonna Die was going to be track number three. And that moved to tra- near the end of the record to pick up the pace. Mm-hmm. You know, I kind of think we, we tend to think of things as, you know, album people. A lot of the guys in the band, including myself, are like vinyl collectors. And, uh, you know, there's certain, there's definitely music that I love that's single based, you know, that, you know, the album is great, but it doesn't really matter what order you put it in. And, but then there's music that I grew up on and that I still love today. It's very like album based. Like you want to listen to it in order. It's kind of like a journey. And that's what I've always tried to do with Under Oath. Um, sorry, I don't know what happened there. Oh, my back. Okay, there we go. Um, I've always wanted to do that with Under Oath. And it, it, even if it's just for us, you know, making a, a track listing that feels like reminiscent of what a Pink Floyd journey or, you know, would feel like, or, you know, some of the bands from, you know, even our parents era of like, just like when albums were albums and you listen to them front to back and, and that's the way it felt. Um, we've always definitely strived for that. All right. uh, yeah. Um, so where was your headspace at while you guys were writing this album? You know, 
it was it was in a weird time and i think we were all trying to stay busy you know being told that we can't tour anymore our 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 summer tour was canceled all the festivals were canceled we were planning on writing a record anyway but we had a summer tour and we had some festivals um and, and seeing the word canceled is a tough pill to swallow you know mm-hmm. um so we just started writing you know we were all working on music constantly in our during the the quarantine era and uh, I think that was the best way to keep your head on the gutter and stay positive but I, I definitely feel like what I was kind of saying earlier is that it's not a COVID record there's no songs about COVID there's no songs about politics mm-hmm. you know like the world was very divided and things were people you know things were going crazy at the time and we don't write political songs and we you know I wasn't writing anything about COVID but those events were definitely fueling everyone's everyday life i i think no matter how positive you're staying and how busy you're staying i i don't believe you if you would tell me that it's not affecting you Hmm. and i think the 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 effect was the uncertainty caused anxiety and anger Hmm. and not knowing where the country is going or where the world is going not knowing if we're going to play music live again and just having you know it, it just like deep down inside, I think there's, there's that fuel of like, you're pissed off and you're, you're anxious and you're unsure what's, what the fuck is going to happen next, you know? And yeah. I think um, we were all in a good headspace and we were getting along really well and working really well together. And I think the songs are darker and maybe more aggressive because that was deep down inside that's fueling your every day, whether you're, an optimist or a pessimist you know like it doesn't matter like you're trying to keep your head up during these uncertain times and like you know the at the time everyone had kids but me in the band you know it's like you've got other people relying on you and this band is our job you know and like and it's like there's a lot of pressure you know and i think being in a situation where you have no control i think as humans we we want to control the narrative. Like we are always trying to control our lives, right? Like we pick and choose what we want to do, what food you want to eat, what you're putting in your body, like what you do in your spare time. But I think the the scariest thing is that we, we aren't in control of everything, you know? And I think when that definitely happened to, you know, obviously COVID was a lot worse for, you know, people lost their lives and family members and jobs permanently and stuff, you know, there's a lot of loss happening. And I think that, uncertainty breeds a lot of anxiety fear and anger and i think those emotions are attached into the lyrics that we're writing and the music that we're writing about things that are not even related to this situation but it's fueling it you know what i mean yeah mm-hmm. makes sense if that makes any sense yeah yeah it does Oh, okay. Sorry. Uh, so how do you recommend your listeners to listen to this album for the first time? Should they play it in the car with friends and then dark with headphones on? Is this an album that you play in the gym? What do you personally recommend? I'm a headphones guy on the first listen mm-hmm. uh, alone. And, and that can be the gym. Uh, that's where I listen to most music, either in my car or in the gym. But I, I, I think the first listen is headphones alone. I, I mean, if, if you have the time to do headphones alone in a, in a dark room, like that's definitely the way to do it. Um, that's my preference. Oh. I try to do that with, with 
the most music that I'm looking forward to mm-hmm. and my friend's music. You know, I try to listen to as much new stuff and as, as possible, but that's definitely my vibe. Under, uh, headphones first for Andros. Sounds good. Perfect. Uh, so this question should be super, super quick. Off the top of your head, I want you to describe this album for new listeners in three words, no more, no less. All right. Raw, honest, dark. I like how Ooh. fast that was. That was perfect. Thank you. Thank you. All yeah. right. Uh, so is there a certain feeling or emotion you want this album to invoke in your listeners? Yeah, I, I want them to. I want them to be connected. You know, I, I want them to feel it like they're not alone. You know, that's always my goal. I was kind of touching on that earlier, but when when people feel like their feelings are validated, you know, mm-hmm. like there's a lot of, you know, a lot of losses happened over the last couple of years, and bad shits happening all around us. But like to feel the to feel liberated that you're not alone in in your feeling you know in in your own personal feelings you know like in your questions and doubts and you know i want you to feel connected and and that you're not alone that's like my main thing all right that's good uh so what band artists influence you think you can hear the most on this album if any i don't know man here's the thing with under oath is like none of us really listen to heavy music because we we've been around it for so long. Like I, I write all sorts of music. Uh, Aaron writes all sorts of music. You know, Aaron's solo stuff is country, you know, uh, yeah. <laughs> my, my solo stuff is like indie pop, you know, it's like, yeah. and, and Tim loves hip hop and like, we love every, you know, I love all kinds of music. I think good music is good music. It doesn't matter the genre. But heavy music tends to be the last thing I listen to, not because I'm a hater, but because I've been around, like I'm always around it. You know, like mm-hmm. I'm surrounded, you know, a lot of times on tour, you're on tour with bands in your same genre. And then the, the sound guys in between set change, they're playing heavy music. <laughs> and then mm-hmm. when you get into the venue, when we're loading in and like in our green room before they open doors, they're blasting heavy music. And I'm just like, dude. So for me, it's that's a tough question because i don't feel like like we're drawing our inspirations from like the stuff that you can't hear because we get inspired by stuff that's outside of the box for under oath like you know like run the jewels and tame impala and like like just stuff that you won't hear at all on the record and well i guess me and aaron were we're, we talk a lot about that last tool record you know with heavy music it's gotta be very specific you know it's like occasionally a heavy record comes out that that'll knock my socks off and that's what i'm looking for but that's why we make we make heavy music we want it to be what we're looking to hear because we're kind of sick of hearing it all you know like we're we want to make something that we want to hear and that's the goal when you're writing music is like all right as far as heavy music is concerned i love all this other kind of music but if i want to hear something heavy this should be it Mm-hmm. And obviously you don't drive around and listen to yourself, but that's what your goal is and motive when you're writing, you know, like yeah. you forget about the fans, you forget about the label, you forget about the manager. Uh, you are like, all right, I want to make the shit that I want to hear. And I want to make it, I want to make the best heavy record there is. And then obviously when you're done, you don't want to hear it because it's you and, you and it just feels weird, but yeah, that's the goal. Okay. All okay, right. Perfect. 
So what is your favorite memory that you made while creating this record? I just think the 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 whole thing of doing our first self-produced record this this far into our career and getting through it without killing each other and, <laughs> and breaking it up again. Uh, I think that finishing it was was incredible. You know, I think that's my memory looking back on the record is that we are mature enough and close enough as friends to where we can have the tough talks and push each other past our limits to make a record without giving up on each other or quitting because your feelings got hurt or you know mm -hmm. someone doesn't like the stuff that you do and vice versa so my memory is the fact that i was like man i, I think our friendships are better than they've ever been so that's great that's perfect I love that. uh so picture this you're on tour you're at a gas station for a rest stop what is your snack of choice Ooh, <laughs> checks mix or I like um, the honey, honey mustard onion pretzel bits. Okay. Okay. You know what I'm talking about? Kind of. I think. Yeah. I think I've seen them before. Yeah, they're yeah. terrible. I don't. I, I'm like <laughs> one of those guys that that eats healthy and like that's like a, a really important thing to me. So if I'm gonna if I'm gonna snack, it's gonna it's very few and far between. And it's gonna probably be pretty bad. But okay. I normally go for the Chex Mix, I think. All right. Okay. And if it isn't, like, a big deal, what, like, flavor Chex Mix do you usually go for? Because there are so many. So bold. I feel like it's bold. Bold. Yeah. Okay. Oh, I've never had that one. I've always, I always go for cheddar. Mm. Ooh, cheddar. That's nice. Mm -hmm. Oh, you know what else is really good? Combos. Oh, do see, you... that's what I thought you were talking about. Combos. Combos could... could can make you sick if you eat enough of them mm -hmm. but the but the pretzel combos are the shit those are yeah. awesome that, but whatever's in that that's got to be like that's got to be like poisonous because that oh. can't be good for you 100 <laughs> percent. it's gonna be terrible uh, so on the topic of food if the band was a dish what dish would the band be wow mm -hmm. deep questions jeez I mean, it would have to be like a like a rare steak because it's like gnarly, you know. It's like <laughs> it's not for everybody, you know. Not everyone eats meat, and not everyone likes heavy music, and especially music that's aggressive. So I feel like it's an acquired taste, and it's and it's and it's like you know when you go to a, a steak restaurant and you order it rare, mm. it's like bloody. That would be mm -hmm. probably what under oath is. Okay. Wow, that's perfect. <laughs> I never would have. All right, yeah. Uh, I have no idea. I'm just going off the top of my head. Maybe I'm I'm craving steak. <laughs> I'm, that might help it. Maybe steak. But, for I mean, it tonight. makes sense. I don't know. Exactly. <laughs> yeah. uh, so, where do you see the band in the next five years? I mean, in five years, I mean, I think we just we'd be in, having these conversations again. You know, we'd be on our on the record to follow Voyeurist and touring and and uh, supporting the probably the record after this. Hell yeah. Perfect. All right. Uh, so for these last couple questions, we're going to shift away from music, if that's okay with you. Do it. Perfect. So we're actually going to go straight to death row. Boom. So if you're on death yeah. row, what would your last meal be with a drink? Oh, God. Mm -hmm. Can I do like a, I would do like a surf and turf type deal where the steak and lobster even though i just talked about steak crazy, yeah, but yeah I, I would do like a, a surf and turf type deal 
And uh, I don't drink beer, but I think if I'm on death row, I would want like a really big, tall, like domestic ass beer, like cold and shitty, you know, like fair enough. <laughs> I, 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 I don't know. Cause I think, you know, like the, I don't know. I, I haven't drank a beer in like, I can't even remember how long, but uh, I think that's what I'd probably go for. All right. Yeah. Uh, so, so steak and lobster with some sort of vegetable on the side, you know, all right. whatever. And a dirty beer. Love it. Yeah. The, <laughs> the fucking Budweiser. Coors oh. <laughs> you know, like, like something terrible, like just, you know, when they gave you the one in the restaurant that's like this tall, mm-hmm. yeah. it's like super cold with the big handle on the side. Mm-hmm. Almost like the emoji in the apple thing, you know, yeah. like the big beers yeah, yeah. and foam Something like that, you know, it's like easy to go down but it's like you're drinking a beer right? yeah. I don't know. Mm-hmm. All right. <laughs> uh so if you could live in one fiction world for a week where would you live dude no brainer harry potter okay. <gasps> what house are you uh definitely gryffindor even though slytherin is cool i mean i just i mean i grew up with that stuff it's like you always cheered for gryffindor so okay. yeah yeah i think i think being in that world just Hogwarts, you know, that would be the sickest. That would be really cool, yeah. Uh, so I actually have the honor of asking the last question, and every single person you've spoken to has said that it is the most important question. What is your favorite color? Gosh. <laughs> <laughs> I don't know. I mean, I... I... I, so that's tough because you think of your favorite color and then you think of like the clothes that you wear are not mm-hmm. typically colored. So I'm like, I, my favorite color, like I like to see like that burnt orange, like as far mm-hmm. as like in nature and like furniture, or, like in a carpet or something cool. Like, but I would never really wear a t-shirt that's burnt orange. Pr- yeah. Really? I mean, I may probably have, but like typically not my go-to, you know, as far as clothes, but like, just like the way it looks like, in nature and stuff i love that that fall leaves are changing to get, to get that like super bright orange almost red that's probably my answer it's a solid color Perfect. uh mm-hmm. so as glory said that's all the questions we have today is there anything that you would like to plug um listen to the new record stream it if you can get it on vinyl if you're into that kind of thing and if you're into Music that's not heavy music. Um, I have my first solo album is coming out this year and under the name Slow Tide without the W. So if you check Slow Tide at Slow Tide Band, you'll find all that stuff. I've got one song out right now. The record's done. I finished the record five. I, I went, so I recorded Voyeurist and then I went home for five days because my lady was super pregnant in the time we hadn't had our daughter yet. So, um, and I checked on everything, you know, I was like, I'm home for five days. And then I went and flew to uh, my buddy's studio in Orlando and tracked my whole solo record. And I'm just kind of waiting to really, I'm just kind of dropping song by song right now. I've only put, I've only released one song to the world, but the record's been done since the end of March. So, um, yeah. Wow, that's a long exciting. time yeah all right yeah yeah so yeah the, the under earth record was done at the end of february so that's how oh long God. we've been sitting on all this stuff so yeah, yeah slow tide band s-l-o-t-i-d-e 
band on Instagram and Twitter and all that. And Underoath Band for all the Underoath stuff. You can follow that. Um, yeah. And you can see two different sides of me, dark and light. So. Hell yeah. yeah. All right. Uh, well, thank you for now. This has been Spencer from Underoath, and we have been the Good Noise Podcast. <laughs>